My name is Chris Hazel, and I'm TechUK's Program Manager for Cloud, Tech and Innovation. In this episode, we explore some key issues around sustainability, cloud computing and the climate challenge. I'm delighted to be joined by Elena Abassani, Head of Global Sustainability Strategy for Oracle, Matt Watts, Chief Technology Evangelist at NetApp, and Stephen Kelly, VP of Managed Services for UK and Ireland at NTT Limited. If you're interested in learning more about TechUK's work on sustainable cloud computing, please visit the TechUK website and get in touch. Well, thank you all so much for joining me this morning for this podcast episode, exploring the role of cloud in helping us build a more sustainable net zero future. I want to start by thinking a little bit about the move to cloud and those organizations that are just starting out on their cloud journey, or perhaps just starting to think about how to reduce the environmental impact of their IT estate and where cloud fits into that. Elena, perhaps I can come to you first. There are five pillars that we look at from uh, from an environmental uh, perspective when we um, discuss with our customers the benefits of moving to the cloud. The first one is the higher utilization rate you achieved uh, in our hyperscale data centers. Uh, you can uh, achieve up to 70% reduction in energy usage, while in uh, uh, your legacy data centers, uh, you generally get up to 30%. We recently ran a study with one of our customers in Europe. They moved their financials application from their data centers to one of the data centers in, uh, in France and they achieve 62% reduction in the energy usage for that application. The second pillar is the optimization of energy usage you achieve on these data centers. Uh, we run on Energy Star certified engineered systems. The data centers are uh, ISO 50001 certified. Uh, we use the latest and greatest you know, technology to um, uh, cool the data centers with liquid cooling uh, uh, technology. The, the third pillar is the fact that pretty much all cloud providers are moving towards powering the data centers with renewable energy. We know that efficiency comes first. The most sustainable energy is the one you don't use. Uh, but when you have to power your data centers, going renewable is a must-have. We uh, have a goal at Oracle to match renewable energy use globally uh, by 2025 with 100% um, uh, renewable energy. We are at 100% now in 16 regions, uh, including all the European data centers and UK data centers. The fifth the fourth pillar is the circularity of the supply chain that underpins the cloud. Cloud providers have the ability to uh, take back uh, the hardware that they use in their data centers and reuse and recycle components and materials. We uh, also own the design of the servers we use in our uh, data centers. So we embed design for the environment thinking in how we uh, manufacture and design our, our hardware equipment. In uh, fiscal year 2022, we reuse and recycle 99.9% of the hardware we retired. And then the fifth pillar is the fact that uh, on an efficient uh, platform and infrastructure, you can then run uh, software that um, is optimized 
from an energy usage perspective. And you can also look at how you design the software embedding green coding principles in how you, you design your applications. Thanks, Elena. It sounds like efficiency is king. Stephen, what would you say to businesses that are concerned about the climate impact of their legacy infrastructure? Do you agree that cloud's key to that transformation? Um, yeah, Chris, I, I do. I think cloud is um, is absolutely a, a critical part of it. I think the the efficient use of cloud is uh, probably one of the areas, though, that I think people aren't necessarily focused on. So, um, you know, uh, moving what you have today exactly as is uh, into the cloud and then giving people free reign to to consume as much as they want, uh, we know is now causing uh, financial problems and undoubtedly is causing um, issues with regards to energy consumption. Uh, I think as we look at scope three and uh, you know we start getting uh, better at measuring that, um, it'll start to make people much more aware of the energy they're consuming as opposed to what they're just consuming themselves in scope one and two. Um, so that will help. But I think some of the the two the tooling around how to make sure that you keep uh, control in your cloud spend, and um, people look at that from a financial perspective. I don't see a lot of people yet really understanding the impact that has from a sustainability perspective. So if you're spending less, you're consuming less, uh, and therefore, um, you know, there's there's less embodied carbon um, being uh, being used in the in the physical devices in the data center. Um, there's uh, less energy being consumed. And I think that's that's a, an area where people are starting to become more more and more aware. It's it's definitely um, I think in a lot of cases and a lot of the clients I've spoken to uh, since taking on this role in NTT, there's a lot of people struggling to know where to start. Um, and and part of the advice we're get, giving is well, let's just start with the simple stuff because you can get overwhelmed very quickly. Um, by trying to understand the sheer scale of it. But yeah, I think look, the, the cloud itself, and Elena, I thought, touched on it brilliantly, is inherently um, run more efficiently. You know, somebody who runs thousands and thousands of servers knows how to do that more efficiently than somebody who runs 10 in their own uh, comms room. Um, so, you know, even in that regard, it is, but we've a lot of customers saying uh, now their spend is much higher um, than they expected it to be. So you have to drive, you have to make sure you adapt to cloud um, as opposed to just moving the existing workloads across. So Elena and Stephen make a strong case that moving to cloud and embracing that shift from CapEx to OpEx and a, a virtualized environment is just inherently more sustainable. Matt, you, you wrote a blog for Tech UK where you said that efforts to build a more sustainable future must be rooted in data and facts. So I'm just wondering, do you think the industry has good enough data on the climate impact of, of cloud workloads? And if not, what more do you think we can do to help customers make informed decisions about where they're deploying workloads and when? Um, so the simple answer is no. Um, there's there are just are not enough standards. There's not enough consistency. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of cloud providers out there, and they all say, you know, we're all net zero. But quite how they achieve net zero can be quite different. It could be renewable energy credits, carbon offsets. So I, I think what we saw last year was a year of awareness, people realizing that the cloud would play a substantial role in their sustainable future. I think what we're seeing this year is companies looking to the cloud providers and saying we need real information from you not just scope one and two we want to know scope three as well so i so i think yes we need far more standardized and consistent metrics because that will help people because the future world is a multi-cloud world not a single cloud world and then i think adding to that the other part that, that we've got to be really conscious of is digital waste 
there is we we can't just take workloads into the cloud and say there we go i'm done i've created a more sustainable platform for our future if what we've ended up doing is taking 30 40 50 60 percent of simply it wastage into the cloud with us technically it's more sustainable but it doesn't feel right to me. So so I think that that's kind of where we, we are with things. We do need a lot more consistency, a lot more standardization in terms of reporting and metrics. If I can chime in, I think um, developing the standard is probably the most challenging aspect of measuring uh, the carbon footprint and the energy usage of the cloud. Until now, we have focused primarily on reducing energy usage and you know going with renewable energy so that would bring carbon neutrality to our customers but to actually make a difference you need to go more granular there is more to do and, and we're struggling we need to get together as as a prov cloud providers to identify what is the right way to do it because um customers are asking and uh, until now we provide them you know data based on their spend with us but we need to identify other ways to to measure this uh, this data, and, and yes, Matt, definitely. Uh, I was reading this morning that uh, business businesses typically only analyze around ten percent of the data they collect, and up to ninety percent of the digital data is not used. So there is uh, a lot to do in educating businesses and individuals on how. You know, over time, digital waste builds up so like like you know physical waste. Stephen, how would you rate the tech sector as a whole when it comes to having the right sustainability data and making it available uh, where it's needed? Elena and Matt both said uh, there's more work to do. Do you think this is something that the industry can come together and do itself? Do you think there's a role for government here? Do we need an independent body? How, how do we get to a place where we have that common standard? It, it reminds me of an old adage I heard years ago when somebody was building out an infrastructure in a data center and they went, we don't have a single uh, point of failure. We've got lots of single points of failure. Um, and I think with uh, with sustainability and there's so many different um, well-meaning uh, communities who are driving change, I think there needs to be a single body that, that creates a standard. Otherwise, we'll all end up with different standards and we'll start focusing on what the other standards are missing and what our standard has, right? So I think there absolutely has to be an individual standard. The data isn't there at the moment. I think as a as a sector, you know, some of the stuff that we need to do is how do we um, educate our clients to buy less, and that is a massive mind shift change. So you know, how do we how do we consume less physical um, infrastructure? How do we uh, <clears throat> how do we make sure that we don't build up that digital waste um, that's going to consume you know more more storage, more compute? I think that that is a mind shift change that has to happen. You know, I think moving simply on from as soon as we sell a technology um, as an industry, we're geared to how do we replace that technology? Um, you know, how do, how do we say that the latest and greatest, you know, from this year is better than what you had last year? And I think it is about building very clear kind of ethos across all, all the industries to say, actually, how do we keep our technology alive as long as possible? How do we make sure that we, we maximize the use of it? Um, and uh, and that in itself will then um, lead to better uh, be better outcomes. But yeah, I, in, in answer to your your question, yeah, I think one one body. I think Elaine is absolutely right though. As an industry, we need to get together. Um, but I think there needs to be one standard. Well, it it, it sounds like um, there's consensus that we need consensus. Um, and it sounds like 
you're all saying that there's a big difference between the sustainability of the cloud and being sustainable in the cloud. Um, so let's move on and, and talk a bit about how organizations can optimize for the cloud to maximize sustainability and perhaps some of the barriers that can stop them from seeing the full benefits of that cloud migration. You've all touched on some of them already. Elena, perhaps I'll come back to you. As organizations are maturing their cloud strategy and looking at what they can do to use cloud more sustainably and thinking about what might stop them from getting there, what advice would you give to Oracle customers that are looking to use your services as sustainably as they can? Well, the one of the key barriers that we see with customers that need to move to the cloud are not necessarily related to sustainability. It's are more related to data privacy, data security, data sovereignty. Uh, there is still um, a resistance to move uh, their data into, into the cloud. Uh, so one of the ways we are uh, trying to solve this problem is with our clouded customer service where we go to the cloud to the customer we install our servers and we manage the cloud on their behalf especially for financial services and then the other uh, aspect that uh, stops customers to move to the cloud is um, the lack of understanding of the cost in the cloud usage data storage so we're looking at transparency and, and planning uh, so that they have a sense of what it takes to move to the cloud. And once you are on the cloud, the, the conversation we are having with customers is the benefit of running the applications we have uh, on the cloud. Uh, blockchain, IoT, AI, you can't run these massive programs in, in small data centers locally. And these are all tools that enable you to look at your supply chain uh, in, a, in a deeper, more granular uh, way. These are um, tools that um, help you to map your supply chain risk, for example, or um, tools that uh, can give you a better understanding of how you embed sustainability thinking in your decision-making process. Uh, so that's the conversation we're having with customers um, in terms of the benefit of moving to the cloud beyond the energy efficiency and carbon neutrality that we're working towards, but also in terms of the tools that you can you can leverage on top of it. Uh, Matt, Elaine was talking about embedding um, sustainability into the company strategy. What do you see as kind of the key pillars for this question of being sustainable in the cloud and adopting what some are calling like a green ops approach? You know, so I think one of the biggest challenges is actually skills. Um, and, you know, I think if I if all the meetings that I have with companies, typically when people put up maybe some objections to using the cloud, it, it's because there's sort of a fear of it, because there are a lack of, of cloud resources out there. Um, and of course, more and more companies are looking at multiple cloud approaches. So, you know, I think what we're going to see is, is in a lot of organizations, there's nervousness, which we have to overcome. Um, into getting people to understand that the cloud is your friend, not you know necessarily your enemy. Um, things in the cloud security are addressed extremely well. Um, it's just different. But then I think what we've got to do, and, and it's an obligation for NetApp, is how do we start providing sort of some levels of standards and consistency across the clouds? You know, there's a lot of stuff you have to do in the clouds: data management, data protection, data security, data compliance. 
and you don't need to do those differently in every single cloud because all of that stuff is kind of admin and management. Um, so, I, so again, I think there's, there's a part of saying, we're going to go to the cloud, we're looking at a multi-cloud strategy, what areas of this can we standardize? Because if we can't standardize, we've already got limited skills. And if we're going to go into multiple clouds, you, the, the need or the ability for us to upskill or to attract talent to help us go to multiple clouds is going to be prohibitive. And that stops the whole sustainability agenda in its tracks. Matt makes a great point about the, uh, the skills shortage. Um, we're certainly seeing a, a huge increase in the interest in our multi-cloud as a service. Where clients are realizing that the benefits the cloud can uh, deliver, they're realizing that um, they either have the wrong skills or not enough skills uh, to, to manage in this uh, new world. And they're looking for support to do that. And I think um, that, uh, that's definitely an area where we see significant growth. And, you know, with, um, with my sustainability hat, I think uh, Matt's point of, you know, it's one of the barriers to driving sustainability and technology is to not do something because you don't have the skills as opposed to how do we, how do we look at achieving the outcome? How do we look at um, getting to our goal uh, and then looking at, at, at you know, uh, how to achieve that as opposed to just trying to do something different with the same, uh, same approach as you've always uh, taken. So, you know, we've seen this multiple times in the technology sector. We saw it with virtualization when it first came out, um, you know, uh, when we um, went to distribute it to centralized, to, you know, the, there was mindset changes, there was cultural changes. But I think the, the sheer scale of the skill shortage now is, is really driving a different approach and um, hopefully uh, the, the next stage of that is driving great, more, far greater efficiency out of their cloud workloads. Let's bring this uh, back to data and how we manage data in the cloud. We touched on this a little bit when we discussed um, data about energy use, but thinking from a um, thinking about the role of the customer in a more climate friendly cloud, um, perhaps Matt, I can come to you first on this. Do you think the growing volume of data stored in the cloud is a problem? You know, we're all guilty of keeping unnecessary photos on our smartphones. But as Elena already said, businesses are storing vast quantities of data that they're never using again. It, it's a horrendous problem, Chris. Um, uh, you know, and it's that it's one of those sort of hidden problems because it's invisible. Um, you know, I think Elena said, you know, up to sort of ninety percent of data is never used again after it's been created. You know, I certainly hear sixty, seventy, eighty percent. It wouldn't surprise me if you know that number is moving on towards ninety percent. So if you think about the metrics here, data centers currently consume about two percent of the world's electricity. Um, and if you think about that, about 15 to 20% of that is typically the storage that sits within the data centers. And that means that up to 60, but 60 to 90% of that storage is storing data that we never ever use again. And it's all sat on storage systems that are creating emissions. So going back to what we talked about at the beginning, do I just ignore the problem and take all that data to the cloud? Well, I think that's a horrific misuse of even if we've got cloud data centers that are being fed with renewable energy, you know, that's an awful lot of these kind of windmills that are simply powering storage that's storing the garbage that we don't use. So I think we definitely have to get a handle on that. The current metrics as a shock headline for people is if you think about the data we currently store and never use again that sat in on-premises data centers, that is currently creating more emissions than the entire airline industry. That's the scope of the problem that we have here. So data management, getting a handle on not just taking this stuff to the cloud, but better understanding what this stuff is. 
and then working out what are the right elements to take with the cloud, it's an opportunity to clear your house a little bit before you you make that jump into the, the cloud environment. One, um, one of the things that we have done at Oracle in the last couple of years, we run every, every year during uh, Earth Week, uh, digital cleanup challenge with our employees, uh, training them on how to reduce their digital footprint. Um, we started first in Europe, then it went global, and now we are uh, running the uh, the challenge again uh, in the in uh, in March. I think March 18th is Digital Cleanup Day. Uh, there is a nonprofit that pushes for for education on on this issue because. But most of us are not aware of of the real impact. You know, even like a thank you email uh, that you keep sending at the end of every conversation add to the to the um, uh, clutter in the in the cloud. So there is the need of educating individuals. It's a little bit more challenging with businesses. Uh, how do you decide what data you need to keep and the data that you need to uh, to to remove, but there is definitely a need for education on this issue. It's interesting, Elena. You said about the email signature. You remember they used to have the email signature, which was "Don't print this email, and you'll save a tree or you'll save a forest." In my email signature, I actually have "Please don't reply to or reply all to this signature," because every every email creates CO two emissions. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't reply all, you're actually helping. So yes, uh, actually, it's a, it's a, it's a good it's a good tip, and I'll definitely use it. Don't don't send me thank you. I'll I'll give it. <laughs> I'll take it for granted. You know? so. yeah. I think it, it, it's a point about uh, making us all more aware at an individual level. And, you know, we set up a sustainability tribe here in the UK and Ireland uh, team and about 37 of us across the business joined together to say, look, how can we from the ground up try and make a difference? And one of the best things that we did was we gave everybody a book called How Bad Are Bananas? Um, and I'm sure the guys uh, are aware of it. But it's it's been fascinating. You see people um, getting a coffee and all of a sudden going, I'll have oat milk. Um, and it is, you know, it does touch on that. Do we need to save all the photographs? Do we need to say thank you to the emails? We have to make it part of our everyday behavior when we look in and think about the consumption that we're driving, whether it's digital or whether it's it's physical. Um, and certainly as a as a group, and I think Matt, that's a, that's a great idea. I'm also going to steal it um, to say, you know, uh, please don't forward all or re reply to all. Um, it is about at an individual level as opposed to just at a corporate level driving that change and more ideas like this that we share, I think the, the faster we'll get there. Yeah, I think it's um, ironic that since the early the earliest days of Windows, the kind of delete icon on your desktop has been the recycle bin. And yet we've come really, really far on individual behavior in terms of cycling to work or food choices or switching off your domestic lights. So there's all sorts of things we do in our personal lives to be more sustainable. And yet digital hygiene, despite the recycle bin being right there, seems to be the, the hardest challenge. I, I want to kind of dwell a bit on this question. If we take a holistic view of cloud, there are things we can all do, right? There's a shared responsibility. And we've talked a bit about what infrastructure providers can do, what we could do as an industry in terms of setting collective standards, what organizations can do in terms of more sustainable approaches to data management and coding. But on that individual level, how can we um, support sort of sustainable approaches? Um, Elena, when you're you know, you're you're talking about sustainability strategy at Oracle, and Stephen said earlier, um, you know, cloud providers need to think about encouraging their customers to spend less. You know, how do you marry up all these questions? How do you take that 
to, to, to business leaders and drive change? How can you kind of embed um, individual behavior in the culture of an organization? It's a challenge given that we are 170,000 <laughs> Oracle uh, uh, colleagues around the, uh, around the globe. You really have to tailor the message based on your audience, right? So for executives, uh, often the conversation is about risk management, business opportunities for employees. It's about uh, engaging uh, on something that uh, is meaningful, that add purpose to their uh, daily life. Uh, for customers, it's about, it's about helping them to solve some of the, the challenges. It's something that we are really focusing on more and more um, right now. Uh, with suppliers, it's about training them on how they can decarbonize. We have more than 30,000 suppliers globally. Uh, it's one of the key uh, priorities uh, in my team. My team has a, a dual role. We look at uh, how we decarbonize Oracle and we embed sustainability thinking in our business operations and supply chain. And then equally, we work with our customers to create tools that help them to decarbonize and achieve their uh, their net zero targets. Uh, so the, the challenge we see is you know, how you prioritize, what are the most material issues where you can really have an impact. And everything else, you know, we are a small team, so everything else, you know, comes second. So, but these are the two key pillars: decarbonization of our operations, helping customers, and and this is a message that resonates with with our executives. They understand that we need to walk the talk. That is, you know, we can't help customers if we don't do our own homework, and we uh, and we really uh, address. Um, the challenges of being such a large organization, uh, but then helping customers is where we can really make a difference. And these are the the two guiding lights that I give to my team every every time that they're debating where they have to focus their attention. So, one of the things that you know, I've been in the IT industry for a while, and I've seen kind of technologies, and I've seen lots of trends. You know, Stephen mentioned virtualization and cloud and all these different things. What I'm seeing with with sustainability, though, is something slightly different. This is something that everybody cares about. So whereas as a company, when we've thought about technology trends before, like virtualization, like cloud, you know, that's typically a top-down thing. You kind of make engineering decisions as to about to what your products need to look like to support those things, and then you drive those through marketing and everything else. What's been different with sustainability is, of course, there's a top-down, but there's the bottom-up. You know, we're in a, we're an organization of eleven thousand people, and I would I would guess that if not eleven thousand, really close to eleven thousand people care about it. So what we've had to do is work out how do we engage the eleven thousand such that we can get every one of them to participate. And they're willing participants. They're prepared to give time, to give effort. They're prepared to come to us with ideas we would never ever have thought of. It's still new to us, but if we can start to work out how we bring and, and, and kind of gather that collective wisdom, those ideas, that knowledge, I think the impact that can have on us as an organization, I think will be phenomenal. And I think that would definitely be an approach I would encourage other companies that may be listening to this, is how do you gather the passion of the employees? Because this is a topic that people are truly passionate about. 
Yeah, and, and that reminds me when I was talking about the digital cleanup initiative we, we have uh, ongoing at Oracle, this it didn't come from my team. It was the head of the green team uh, uh, in France that did some research, came up uh, with the proposal, uh, came to my team and said, you know, we want to do this. Can you support us? And that, of course, we, we support them. But it really came from the bottom up. And um, and that's what it's that that's the beauty of of these this area that like Matt said, everybody wants to contribute. I think yeah, um, I've a, a bit of a personal story on this one where uh, you know as part of the tribe we um, we looked at joining uh, World Ocean Cleanup Day, and um, across four beaches we uh, across UK and Ireland. Um, teams of people went out, took the day, went out and, you know, collected uh, waste. But the real eye-opener for me was I've, um, I've twin boys and they're, they were 10 at the time, or 11 now. And uh, I said to them, they happened to be on a day off school that day. And I said, guys, you've two choices. You can go to, uh, there's a theme park that they like to go to. Go to the theme park, um, uh, in typical Irish fashion, it's called Tato Park. And um, you go to the theme park for the day but daddy um, has to go and do something with work or you can come with daddy. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to pick up rubbish on the beach. And they said, we'll go do that. And I said, guys, this isn't playing on the beach. We're going to go and genuinely pick up rubbish. And they were like, no, no, we want to do that because we don't want the sea life um, getting getting damaged. And it was an eye opener for me that the, these kids, you know, when they look at where daddy works, they, they want to hear the stories about the rhinos that we've saved. They want to hear about the kids getting, you know, access to education in Africa and in India. They want to be part of it. And for me, um, when, you know, when we talked about purpose, that's the purpose is when you can, at the end of, you know, our careers and, you know, reach whatever level that we, we all reach, it's, you know, the, the kind of bar I set is, you know, the, the lads are sitting at a bar in New York having a pint and somebody said, what did your dad do? And that they talk about the purpose-driven stuff as opposed to, you know, what level you've reached in your career. And when I look around the team here, I see that across everybody. Everybody wants um, to do better not you know for the company, not for themselves, but for for their kids, for you know nephews, nieces, whatever it is. So I think when you tap into that, Matt's absolutely right. That's when you see real magic happen and some ideas that you just never have seen, um, you know, coming from the top down. Yeah, and I think just to, to sort of add one final piece to it is, you know, I think there was a lot of hesitation. So if we go pre-pandemic, there was a lot of. I'll call them sort of false barriers, some were more, more false than others. People were very resistant of going to the cloud. You know, it was, oh, it's not secure or oh, we're going to have compliance problems. And then suddenly we had a pandemic um, and th hundreds of thousands of people suddenly working from home. And we smashed a lot of those barriers down because we had to. It was no longer a question of, OK, we, we won't do this because people are telling us it's not right or there's challenges with security. We have to overcome that. If it's understand if it's a false idea or a false wall or whether it's something real and, and get past it. And I think sustainability will do the same thing. You know, if you're the person who's saying we shouldn't go to the cloud because I'm concerned about security or I'm concerned about compliance, if everything is saying it is the sustainable way of you operating IT for the future, I'm optimistic that that passion that we're just talking about here will get people to stop putting up any kind of false barriers, or even if they're real barriers, let's find a way of smashing them down and, and embracing the cloud if it helps with a sustainable future.
Yeah, that's a really interesting point you make, Matt. And I think we can already see, if you look across the industry, there are some organizations that are taking this really seriously and they're kind of positioning this sustainability piece as a sort of competitive advantage and an opportunity to bring customers in who care about sustainability. Um, so we've, we've, we've talked a lot about the infrastructure. We've talked about customer behavior and individuals driving sort of bottom-up change. Let's zoom out for a second um, and look at the broader economy and the role of the tech sector in helping us meet the climate challenge. Ultimately, we want digital transformation to be working positively for the planet. So looking beyond the sustainability of cloud infrastructure, um, Elena, perhaps I can come to you first. I'm wondering if you you know, where are the most exciting areas that you see cloud enabling digital transformation, enabling sustainability um, in other lines of business sort of across the economy? I look at this from two different uh, points of view. Uh, I think I, I have spent the last two years talking to customers, asking uh, Oracle to support them in their, uh, in their journey and uh, helping them to move out of hundreds of Excel spreadsheets into embedding uh, data in their financials and supply chain management tools so that they can actually operationalize sustainability as part of the day-to-day -day, uh, activities and embed uh, environmental and social consideration into decision-making. Uh, there is, uh, I, I would say, almost a virgin market on that because uh, even the largest companies we work with are still uh, often managing uh, these uh, these data in in, in Excel, uh, and every sector has, of course, different material issues. So, so I look at uh, at this problem, you know, from a from a tech provider perspective that has been working on enterprise applications for, for 40 years on, on how we bring uh, sustainability in, um, in these tools and, and technology. Then what I see, uh, if I look at all the other industries, um, and based on the conversation I have with customers, is this strong appetite for innovation and new business models and uh, uh, achieving more transparency in supply chains, more efficiency, uh, focusing on uh, how we're not looking only at environmental impact, but also at uh, human rights and uh, protection of employees in supply chains. Pretty much every organization and company I, I work with uh, and I talk to is stepping up their commitment. And uh, they are really looking at having their suppliers to be more transparent, to be more accountable. Uh, it's not anymore an exercise of uh, you know, checkbox. Yes, you have a supplier code of conduct. It's more, okay, you have a supplier code of conduct. How do you track uh, the performance of your suppliers? Uh, how deep do you go in your, in your supply chain? Uh, it's almost like in the last two years, we went from sort of compliance to actual uh, action. And there are challenges because it's very difficult to, to go down the, uh, your supply chain and really uh, have uh, a deep understanding of how your suppliers are engaging. Some suppliers just don't, don't have the tools and the resources to do that. Uh, but the, the effort, the, the focus, the, the pressures are, are real. 
compared to maybe five years ago where only the big players were, were had the resources to go to that level of granularity. Matt, what advice would you give to, to businesses when they're thinking about how cloud can make the rest of the company more sustainable, not just making what you already had on-prem more efficient in the cloud? So, so there's. So I'll start off by saying that I think there's always a worry when we go towards a potential recession um, that things that have been a priority for people, such as sustainability, can be seen as something that, that they can cut back on. And what I want to make sure that people absolutely are clear on is that if you just do sustainability right, the chances are you'll save money because that, that's the point of sustainability. It's to remove digital wastage. It's to remove emissions. It's to remove costs. So I think the first thing I, I want people to realize is that sustainability is not a cost. If anything, it's a potential for cost saving. What we've learned from some of the companies where they've started off by looking at how do we operate IT in a more sustainable way? How do we start to use the cloud in a more sustainable way? Once they've got that mindset into the IT teams, into the IT organization, they're now going out to the business and saying, how can we as IT help our partners, our customers within the business start to do things in a more sustainable way. So it's driven them now to say, can we be doing more with digital twins? Can we be doing more with, you know, so to a little bit to Elena's point, it's what we see is once the cultural um, desire starts, once people start realizing that we can do things with the cloud, we can, then IT starts to say, what is the, what are all the other things that we can now do that could help the business? Um, and, and I think that's the exciting part. Going to the cloud, removing digital waste, that is a great step towards becoming more sustainable, but don't stop there. Now look at what the cloud could do for your business and some of those bigger initiatives, things like IoT, like digital twins, that could help your business operate in a more sustainable way. Yeah, I, I think um, I'll touch on it uh, a lot there. You know, it, it is about driving um, further than just uh, how to get rid of digital waste. The reality is across every industry, there's significant waste and um, significant cost in that waste, whether it's food waste, which we know is a, a massive problem, um, you know, whether it's logistics, uh, whether it's um, you know, uh, inefficient processes that are, are causing uh, costs. And I think the, digital the, the focus of digital transformation has to be um, exactly as Matt said, how do you actually use less? Um, how do you how do you do more with less? Um, and the more governance that comes in from a sustainability perspective, the more people are going to be forced to need to know where that waste is and what they're doing about it. And and the reality is that you know the cloud can help them get there. It can give them the insights that they need. It gives them control and the ability to make decisions quicker um, to be able to reduce those costs. So I'd absolutely echo what Matt said about you know don't look at sustainability as a cost. It's the reality is it's an investment and um, you know, as we look into recessions, the, the reality is that's when some of the greatest innovations happen, when people have to do something different and they have to drive a change. Um, and I think that's what we're facing now and it's a change that people want to embrace as opposed to they're being forced to embrace. If we could reach into the boardrooms of your customers and your suppliers and your partners across the industry, what key messages would you give them this year? to help senior leadership see sustainability as more than just a cost center and see cloud as part of the solution? And then finally, what's the best thing individuals can do to help their businesses um, on an individual level to be the most sustainable possible? What are we asking people to do in 2023? To the board and to the executives is you know, go beyond the uh, 
cliche of sustainability as a cost and look at it as a business opportunity and as a, a way to innovate and transform the economy, the economic system. And for individuals, I would say, understand your individual impact in the cloud, understand that you have to uh, treat uh, your digital footprint as you treat the physical footprint, but also look at ways you can leverage the cloud to, to minimize your personal impact in, in your physical world as well. Information, education, innovation. For me, uh, the boardroom, um, it's um, empower your people. Uh, you know, they are they are going to come up with, as we've touched on earlier on, they're going to come up with answers that uh, um, you're uh, you're never going to see yourselves, but also to um, to take it seriously, make decisions based on what the right thing to do um, from a long-term perspective is, as opposed to the short-term gains. We see it all the time where, you know, we're engaging with clients and they talk about their sustainability agenda. You know, we've invested heavily to to reach the standards that we have. And then when it comes down to it, you, you know, you see certain clients make it, you know, sustainability isn't in their decision. So it needs to, it needs to, you need to demonstrate that you're actually willing to, uh, I think as Elaine said uh, before, you know, walk the talk. Um, so I think that's, that's my ask of the boardrooms. Um, I think of people, um, you know, uh, activate yourselves, you know, educate and activate. So, um, you know, we, as said, I started this journey um, here in the UK and Ireland business about two and a half years ago. I put a call out to the, the teams. Um, people joined. I've met some of the most uh, impressive, um, driven individuals that in my day-to-day -day workings, I probably wouldn't have come across in the business. And I've seen their passion and I've seen the difference they're trying to make. And I think when you get a collective of those together, what you see come out of it is, um, is really, really impressive. It's something that you can look back at, at the end of your career and be really, really proud of. If, if I was talking to somebody in the boardroom right now, I'd say you need to be thinking about this across three dimensions, people, profit, planet. Um, you will, as a company, attract new people, attract people to your business if they see you as a sustainable organization. We, we are already seeing that. There is a generation coming through that want the businesses they go and work for to be a reflection of what they stand for. We think about profit. This is not about being a cost center. If you get sustainability right, it's about removing waste. It's about doing things in a more efficient way, which can affect your profit in a positive way. And if you get those two things right, then you automatically start to be in a place where you're doing more for the planet. So I would encourage the boardrooms to be thinking people, profit, planet. And if you get those three things right because of a sustainability agenda, that's good for all three of them. And then I think from a personal point of view, we kind of joked a little bit earlier on, I have this email signature, which says, you know, you know, every email creates CO2 emissions, don't reply or reply all to this one, you know, and you'll make a difference. I think it's awareness. Every email, according to how bad a bananas, creates half a gram of CO2. Most people would have no idea about that. So I think what people can do is start to educate themselves as to what their digital footprint is, what the emissions are from their digital footprint, and then start to come up with ideas because you'll come up with ideas that none of us will have thought of and your organisations definitely will not have thought of. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion and I think we've drawn out some key points here around the need for common standards across the industry and better data about the cloud, 
the need to embed sustainability in the culture of organizations and the role of the customer in being more sustainable in the cloud and the positive role that individuals can play in driving bottom-up change and being more aware of their own carbon footprint. Elena, Matt, Stephen, thank you all so much for joining me for this Tech UK podcast on cloud, sustainability and the climate challenge. <laughs>